0: Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. God is, is good. We are working through what it means to be called out. And we reached the end of our time looking at that last week. What does it mean for the church to be called the called out ones? And in order to do a little bit of work seeing what that means, I wanted us to look at the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll be reading from verse 11 through chapter 6, verse 2. Throughout this series, we've talked about what it means for the church to be the called out ones. What does it mean for us to worship a God in Jesus Christ who is king And who calls us and sends us out into the ends of the earth to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? What does it mean for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we make decisions? What does it mean for us to listen to a message that is of God, knowing that if we get this message wrong, then the response that we get from other people will also be wrong as well? What does it mean for us to be so filled and called out with the Holy Spirit so that when we reach out to people in this world, we see many, many more people joining us as we form a community that listens to the apostles' teaching, that shares fellowship and shares meals together, that prays together, that has everything in common. What does it mean for us to be the called out ones? And the simple part of this sermon that I would like you to remember is that what it means for us to be called out is that we are ministers of reconciliation. What does it mean for us to be the called out ones? It simply means that we are ministers of reconciliation because there is a work that God is doing in us through his spirit that calls us to be people of reconciliation, people who reconcile with one another but ultimately people who are reconciled to God. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll start reading at verse 11. It says therefore knowing the fear of the Lord we persuade others. But what we are known what we are is known to God. I hope it is known to you as well. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. See, the book of 2 Corinthians is a letter that was written to the church in a city called Corinth. And this was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was the one who founded this church. So if you look in Acts chapter 18, you'll see a story about Paul founding this church in this city. But in this church, after Paul leaves, like things are not going really well. Things are not going well. And so Paul decides to write a letter to the church. In fact, most scholars believe that this is actually uh, one of four letters that Paul wrote. In our Bibles, we only have two because it's believed that the other two were lost. So things aren't going well in this church. And Paul writes many, many letters to them, imploring them to seek who Jesus Christ is. But you see, as Paul is writing these letters, there's a lot of rebellion in the churches against Paul's letters. There's rebellion because many people believed that Paul was doing a little too much. He was doing the most, right? He was calling them out on their stuff, and they did not like that. It was so painful that Paul actually had to physically go back to the church in Corinth and say, hey, guys, what is going on? He visits this church, and it was a very painful visit. In fact, so painful that the next letter that Paul sends to the church is one that is so filled with pain Pain from Paul and pain about what's going on in the Corinthian church. And maybe that's the reason why it never makes the Bible. You know, I don't know. But that letter was seen as a painful letter. And so Paul continues, though. He continues to try to reconcile with this church. So he sends them another letter. And that's the letter that we are reading today. Now, if you asked Paul, if Paul was on Facebook and you asked him about his relationship with the Corinthian church, I think he would have said it's complicated. It was a complicated relationship because it was a church that he loved dearly, a church that he started, but they were a church that was filled with a lot of pain and brokenness. And so Paul wants to write them to let them know that there is another way to live. There is redemption and there is hope for reconciliation. So Paul lets them know that there is a covenant that God has set with his people. This new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ that is stronger than anything that has come before. And he tells them, we are people who are ministers of that story of reconciliation. We are people who are ambassadors of this story. And because we know this story, because we know all the lengths that Jesus Christ has gone to redeem us, it is important for us to stand in awe of that message. It is important, he says in verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. He's trying his best to persuade this church that even though our relationship is complex, even though there is friction And there is tension in our relationship. Paul is still trying to persuade them of the beauty of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is beauty and there is glory in knowing and standing in awe of God. And so Paul appeals to their conscience. And he says to them, I know this gospel thing that I keep bringing up makes me seem like a madman. I know when I talk about Jesus, you guys seem to think that I am out of sorts. I am out of my mind. But Paul says to them, if I am out of my mind, it is because I love God so much. And if you think that I am in my right mind, it is because I love you. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ had gripped him so tightly that he was willing to be called a crazy man for preaching it because he believed it so. And I think we should look the same way as Christians. People should look at us and how tightly we cling to this message, this message of a God who loves this world so much, that he gives his only begotten son that anyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. As we cling so tightly to that message, people should look at us and say, y'all are loco, you're a little crazy. But we hold tightly to that message because we truly believe that it is the power of God to save this entire world. So Paul continues to write in this letter in chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And he says to them, for it is the love of Christ that controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. It doesn't miss me that it's ironic that on this day of independence, here is a passage that talks about not being independent. A passage that talks about being controlled, being constrained. In fact, some people feel like what the word in the original language actually captures is one of being held in custody, being controlled by the love of God, being compelled by the love of God. Does the love of God compel us so that we feel like we are not independent on our own, but highly dependent? on the love of God to move us to action. What does it mean for us to see this story that God is writing and say that we do not want to live for ourselves, but we want to live for Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ's love has so captured us. It so controls us. We are not independent of it. We are so dependent on the love that Jesus Christ has for us that we want to pass that love on to other people. We do not want to live for ourselves, but we want to live for others and live for Jesus. Does the love of Christ compel you so? Does it guard and guide your life in this way? Are you controlled by this kind of love? And does this love send us out as our deepest motivation to tell other people about this love? See, we see brokenness when we are not compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. The church is supposed to be a place where people from every tribe and tongue and nation are compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. And when the church is not compelled, when the church is not bound by the love of Christ, we start to do things that are not worthy of our calling as Christians. We see that in very ugly places in history where the church has been at the forefront of genocide and ethnic cleansing in the name of spreading the gospel. That is not a church that is compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. We see this in history where we see the church that is supposed to be a place of healing and protection and refuge for people who have experienced violence either physically or emotionally or spiritually, but instead we see the church becoming a place where that abuse continues. We see brokenness as the church does not shelter people because we are not captured, we are not held custody by the love of Christ. But Paul continues in this passage. In verse 16, he says, So from now on, therefore, if we are compelled by the love of Jesus Christ, verse 16 and 17, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away And behold, the new has come. There is a way of looking at people that doesn't line up with this loving way that Paul is talking about. When we are people who believe in Jesus and surrender our lives to Jesus, the way we see and look and view people in this world will shift and will change. We will no longer look at people from a worldly place, We will only look at them with the lens that Jesus Christ gives us. We will look at everybody in this world as someone who Jesus Christ has come to save. A person who Jesus Christ truly desires to become a part of his family. Somebody that Jesus loves so much that he was willing to die, to rescue and to reconcile them to God. We will start to have different eyes eyes that see every single person as a person who God has come to save, a person who God does not want to perish, a person who Jesus Christ can make new. That is why in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, all things are made new. Now, as we were reading this passage, one thing that a lot of commentators have said about that word new is that it's not just like you were an iPhone 11 before and now you're an iPhone 12. That newness that this passage talks about is there was something that did not exist at all before. And because of the work of reconciliation of Jesus Christ, now you are that new thing. Jesus Christ is not in the business of making upgrades. Jesus Christ is in the business of completely making things new. So when you think of your life, anything that has been done to you or anything that you have done and you think, well, there's no way Christ can make this new. Jesus says, I can do one better. Not only can I make you entirely new, and not only does my work actually rescue you and pay the debt of your sin. Imagine just Jesus Christ is not a person who sees us completely bankrupt and just says, hey, let me pay back your account and bring it back to zero. What Jesus Christ does is he pays your debt. He forgives you of that bankruptcy, but he also deposits millions and millions of dollars in your account. But he doesn't stop there. He actually says, come on my team. I want to make you a manager at this bank so that you can also call other people to have their debts forgiven. That is the sweeping move of newness that God makes in the life of us as sinners. It's not just bringing our accounts back to zero. It's bringing our accounts past that and also giving us a responsibility to reach out to others and be ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation. God wants to make all of us new, and not just in an upgrade kind of way. Jesus desires to make you more than a better version of yourself. Jesus' desire is that you become like him, and that's new. Anyone who is in Christ can become brand new. It doesn't matter what you've done or what your past has. It doesn't matter what kind of brokenness you've experienced. Jesus Christ says you can become brand new. And Jesus Christ says that because he is the one who works this reconciliation, in verse 19 and 20, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now that word reconciliation means a very strong exchange a strong exchange, when Jesus Christ calls us to a ministry of reconciliation, he's calling us to a really strong and powerful exchange to bring our sin and our rebellion and our brokenness to him and in turn to get the righteousness of God, to bring our bankruptcy to him and in turn to not only get our debt cleaned but to receive an inheritance and also a full-time job At this bank. That is the work of reconciliation, a divine exchange, an exchange that takes everything that is broken about who we are and brings us to the cross of Jesus Christ, where we can find healing and wholeness and hope and this reconciliation. And all of us, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, is an ambassador and a minister of this reconciliation. But what have we been called out to do as a church? We've been called out of our sin, for sure. But the message in this passage is that we're not just called out from something. We're called out for something. And that work is so that we can be ministers of reconciliation. We call people to be reconciled first to God, But we know that when we call people to reconcile to God, it is impossible for us not to also call people to be reconciled to each other. When we are reconciled to God, God also reconciles us one to another. This is our message. This is our ministry. This is our calling. We are called to this. We are called to declare that God has made the one who had no sin to be sin for our sake so that we can become the righteousness of God. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for our sake so that we can become the righteousness of God. And so we work together with God. Chapter 6, verse 1 making this appeal to everyone who will listen and everyone who will hear. Be reconciled to God. And the Apostle Paul quotes from the book of Isaiah. He says in there, therefore, in a favorable time I listened to you and in the day of salvation I have helped you. In the day of salvation, behold now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of reconciliation to God and to one another. If you are here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, now is the time. Listen as God softly and tenderly calls out to you and says, now is that time. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you know that you have not fully accepted that call to be a minister of reconciliation, Your bank account is just at the zero mark, but you're not calling other people to also receive that debt forgiveness. Now is the time. Now is the time to recognize that this is who Christ has rescued you to be, a minister of reconciliation. If you are here today and you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus Christ, now is the time. As you listen to this message, as you heard the songs being sang, as we celebrate communion together a little later in this service, do not let this moment pass you by. Jesus Christ is calling you, calling you out from your life of sin. Jesus Christ is calling us, calling us away from systems of brokenness and oppression. Jesus Christ is calling us from darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus Christ is calling us from death and decay to his eternal life. Now is the time to respond to that message. Don't be satisfied with a bank account that is at zero. Don't be satisfied with your debt being paid. Definitely celebrate those things, but that should move us to become people of reconciliation to become people who are empowered by the Spirit, called out of darkness, called from our sin, but also called to righteousness, called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody we meet. And not in a way that makes it awkward or weird because this life is flowing out of us. It should come such in a natural way that as we speak and as we talk to people, as we hear what's going on in their lives, the gospel of Jesus Christ of what he has done for us and in us and through us and what he wants to do in the life of another person should just come out of our speech, our conduct, our thoughts and our actions. Now is the time. If you are hearing Christ speaking to you this morning, do not neglect his voice. Come to Jesus and receive your status as someone who is righteous and holy and is called to be a minister of reconciliation. I bring you this message in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you please pray with me? Lord, we thank you because we know that every day is the day of your salvation. Every day is a day of your rescue. Behold, now is that favorable time, oh God. And so God, as we pray right now, I want to just ask and say, if there's anybody out here who wants to follow Jesus, but you've never taken that step, Now is that time. I'll leave some time if you are out here and you believe and you want to follow Jesus and become a minister of reconciliation. Please raise your hand. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that in this space, please find myself or any other member of our church after the service, we would love to connect with you. We would love to tell you of the treasure that is contained in us, the deposit that God has given us through the power of his spirit to be ministers and ambassadors of reconciliation. Now is the time. Jesus Christ, thank you for your cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. May we not sit on the treasure that we have. May we be bold ministers that go out Called out by your power and called out in your name to declare your victory and your glory and your desire to save. Thank you so much, God, for the new life that you have given us. Much, much more than an upgrade, something entirely new. Thank you for making us holy. Thank you for making us righteous. Thank you for making us new. Give us the strength that we need to go out and be about your business in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.